The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Still going through the evaluation process um, on that hamstring strain. Um, I'll keep you guys posted on, uh, you know, what that timeline may look like. I think there'll probably be a, a couple different opinions on it, but we got to get, um, you know, the MRI of it and take a look and find out exactly what it is, where it is, uh, you know, if there's any other factors that go into it and, and determine what the best decision for him to get him back to you know, 100% as fast as possible, but, um, you know, uh, you know, he's, he's down today. Uh, he obviously is one of the most you know, ultra competitors I've ever met. Um, and, and shoot, he was trying to go back in the game as it was yesterday. That's Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell from Monday talking about the hamstring strain suffered by receiver Justin Jefferson, the defending offensive player of the year late in the Sunday game against the Kansas City Chiefs. If you saw it, he pulled up, he grabbed at it, and we knew right away he's probably done for the day. Now NFL media reports the Vikings plan to put Jefferson on injured reserve, which will knock him out for at least four games. It's the smart way to manage a hamstring. Shut the guy down. Remove temptation. It's what the Bengals should have done with Joe Burrow. Don't even give him an opportunity to come back and play. Give him four weeks to heal up and then see where he is. They have games coming up against the Bears, 49ers, Packers, and Falcons. They've got other guys who can step up. Chris, they got a chance to find out what they have in Jordan Addison because he becomes WR1 now as a practical matter with Justin Jefferson down for at least four weeks. Yeah, they're going to feature him. And, you know, like we see with the Rams, right, and, and, and a Kevin O'Connell's a chip off the ball block there. He'll formulate the offense completely around Jordan Addison and all the plays. Well, he'll be the number one read, and we'll see what he's got. There's no doubt. But, damn, this is still, you know, concerning. It's one of the best players in football. I mean, he's the best receiver in football, not named Tyreek Hill right now. That's what he is. But I, I would argue, too, I don't know. He might be the most important offensive player to one team there is in all of football, you know, outside of the quarterbacks. 
I, I mean, the Minnesota Vikings offense is Justin Jefferson. Everything they do is really a, a product of either Justin Jefferson catching the ball and making the play himself or designing a play where Justin Jefferson is the number one number one target or whatever else, and the defense spends all their time and energy trying to stop him, and it opens up everything else. They can't run the ball in Minnesota, your squad, right? You're one of the worst running teams in football. So that's where on a, on a big picture level it's concerning, but I do think you're right. It's smart. Don't mess around with this. It's receiver. It's hamstring. He's the future of your organization. He is the biggest prize possession you got in your organization as far as that's concerned. And, yeah, they need to be careful and smart on this one. Well, and they didn't pay him before the season started, and there continues to be this nagging sense of whether or not he has a long-term future with the Vikings, whether he wants it or whether he becomes. And I remember saying this back in May or June when I first heard that the Vikings have this thing about how they structure contracts with the guarantees. They don't roll. They vest every year. They don't guarantee fully money one or more years into the future except for a quarterback, except for Kirk Cousins. I remember having this idea, if they don't sign this guy to a long-term contract by the end of the 2023 season, he becomes potential fodder for a trade aimed at securing the Vikings franchise quarterback because I think that is their obsession. Wow. That wow. is their objective. Wow. And and they didn't sign him to a long-term contract before the season started. So they drafted Jordan Addison. This is their chance to see what Addison has. Kirk Cousins was praising him in the aftermath of Sunday's game. He's the real deal. He's the guy. If he's the guy and he's locked into that rookie wage scale contract for a couple more years, and you've got the fifth year option you can use since he was a first round pick that becomes, and, and Vikings fans get upset. And I don't like the idea of Justin Jefferson not playing for the Vikings, but look, the Vikings have had plenty of great receivers over the past 50 years. They've had plenty of them. Most notably Randy Moss, Percy Harvin, who was an MVP candidate in 2012, people forget all about that wrinkle, and Stephon Diggs, and all three of them got traded. They didn't win a Super Bowl. They didn't get to a Super Bowl with any of those guys. You don't get to a Super Bowl unless you have a great team across the board without a great quarterback. And I think the Vikings' objective this year, next year, whenever, ASAFP, is to get themselves another Fran Tarkenton, another guy who's going to be the starting quarterback for 10, 15 years. They have not had that. They had glimpses of it with Dante Culpepper before he wrecked his knee October of 2005 in Charlotte, but they haven't had it year in and year out. Somebody who can lift them and carry them to postseason success and back to one or more Super Bowls. I think that's the calculation, Chris. That's why Kirk Cousins doesn't have a contract beyond this year. That's why it feels like it's ending between the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. They're and if it, if it means taking a step or two back, I feel like they're going to do it. And this Jefferson injury is just another piece in that puzzle that moves toward, you know, maybe it's the emotional separation the fan base needs to have. And again, he may want out too. It may not even be their decision. Diggs wanted out. Harvin wanted out. Moss, who knows what he wanted back in that time frame. But he may want out by the time it's all said and done. Well, and this may be... Just part of the process for him coming to the conclusion, if I'm ever going to get what I want out of team success, I need to go somewhere else. Well, I, listen, I, I hear that. I, I think the first thing I, I'd, I'd hit on here is I'd go, you know, one, I'd be I, – I, Justin Jefferson's a guy I think they're going to br – they'd break all molds for and contracts and all of that, right? Like screw our, our – 
or what we do and all that, like we saw with the Steelers and T.J. Watt a little bit. He's too good. you got to break your damn rules and get it done. And I, and I would still be – I would still think he gets paid before this season's over and they find some way to, to do that and, 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 and end this conversation. If they're sold on, they're going to keep him for the future. What I would say to what you're talking about as far as like the trading and positioning themselves for a franchise quarterback, I just go, damn, I don't know if I could do that. I wouldn't trade Justin Jefferson just for that. I would find other ways to do it. And the NFL right now, as we're seeing, it's, it's a receiver league. It's, 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 that's what it is. I mean, the best teams in football got two of them. That's just the way it is. Oh, oh, the Dolphins? Oh, they got two of them. They might have three soon. Oh, the Eagles? Oh, boom, bam, right? I mean, then you go out to San Francisco, you look at them. Everybody's trying to have two or three guys that way. They got something special there. I mean, they got a guy that looks like he's on the trajectory of all-time great. So I would say if the quarterback thing, and you're very right about Kirk Cousins, and I think they want to move on and find somebody for the next 10 to 15 years, I would just say, man, trade other assets. Don't trade Justin Jefferson. That, that, you, you don't let that go. That, that's a special, special commodity right there. Trade your next year's first-round pick and the year after that and do whatever you got to do to get up and get the quarterback. But I don't think in the 2023-2024 NFL and what we're seeing right now, I mean, come on, Mike. You guys went 13-4 and four last year, and it, it was primi- primarily because of one guy. It just shows you what the receiver can do. I mean, in big moments, whatever it was, boom, one hand, oh, a catch it, hey, I'm double covered, I know. boom. I know. So that's where I would just say be careful about that. But you're right. It's a very interesting discussion and conversation about where they're going to go with this whole thing. I'm not advocating for it. I'm I know being you're not. realistic. I know. Because I've seen them trade Randy Moss. I've seen them trade Percy Harvin right after they said we have no intent to trade Percy Harvin. And I've seen them trade Stephon Diggs. And, look, I, I hope Justin Jefferson – stays with the Vikings his entire career. But when you're thinking about – and this is, this is what happens when you go all in with analytics from a personnel construction standpoint. It doesn't matter how much the fans like a guy. It doesn't matter how, how famous he is and how you just – because, oh, we'll, we'll, just, we'll find it. You know, he's the Cooper Cup in the Kevin O'Connell version of Sean McVay's offense. We'll just find another Cooper Cup. It'll be Jordan Addison. If it's not him, it'll be somebody else. It's interchangeable parts. That's, you know, the, the – I, I hear you. I hear you. Analytics or not, we know that that's how football teams think. Every piece is interchangeable and will be changed out at some point because we're going to be around for years and years and years and the players have finite careers. But I feel like there may be, there may be a willingness to at least ponder the possibility if it means Caleb Williams. Would you rather have Caleb Williams or Justin Jefferson? Gosh, that's I, – I mean, listen, I, I think that I, – I, you know, that, that's – yeah, Caleb Williams has more value, right? We don't know how good he's going to be, but uh, the way it looks is, yeah, he's special. He's a special commodity. I'm certainly going to take the special quarterback over the special special receiver. You're set, I, I hear you there, Right. Uh, but at the same time, like what I'm saying is I worry that, you know, you trade that away and then all of a sudden, wait, we don't have even the weapons or the guys to support the guy we drafted here and do that. And is Caleb Williams going to be that special to overcome that? I think that's, you know, yeah, you'd have to have a strong feeling there, right? Right now, I, I only see two guys in football that can just overcome I don't have the best talent, and that's Mahomes and Josh Allen. 
You know, they're the two that I look at. But that, that again, that's that's rare. Uh, they're very rare that way, to where they don't need a dynamic duo or maybe even a star one or whatever. I know Josh Allen's got it in Diggs. We we certainly don't think that the Kansas City Chiefs got it. They got a Kelsey at tight end. But yeah, it, it, that they that's traded a tough away call. their one. I know it's a they tough had call. Him. I get and you. And they won a Super Bowl. I hear you. And they won a Super Bowl but, without him. But that's when you so. you got they got Andy Reid and Mahomes, and that's that's a very rare combination right there that allows them to overcome okay. that. So it's a, it's a, it's a good one, Mike. Right. I I don't know what to say there. But that but. And and here, look. Why else would they not have already signed him to a record-setting deal? It's Justin freaking Jefferson. The mere fact that they haven't blinked at the table and done what needed to be done to get him signed long-term, that in and of itself raises a, a red flag. Like, why haven't you done this? It's Justin Jefferson. Why didn't you do it? So there's an easy way to end this speculation. There's an easy way to do it. Sign him now. Take this four weeks. He's he's focused on getting himself healthy and rehabbing and resting the hamstring and coming back. Prove me wrong. Sign him now. Do you think and there's out another way to get? Do you your think there's more tre- like you know trepidation or whoa? Let's see where this goes from Minnesota or Justin Jefferson, right? I'm just asking you. What's your pasta and meatballs there? You know, I've never heard. I would expect Justin Jefferson's asking if he is right to be the highest paid receiver in football history. Right? And then how much is he trying to go over that mark, too? So there's some things there that play into what you're talking about there. But what's your feel on, you know, why that hasn't happened yet? The ball was in Minnesota's court before the start of the season to get a deal done. It was in their court, and they chose not to do it. Jefferson was ready to make the commitment. That's my understanding. Now, does that mean a year or two from now he doesn't decide, you know what, I probably need to move on? Because we've seen that happen. We've seen players Despite getting that big contract, hell, Deshaun Watson wanted out of Houston five months after getting a giant contract. So we've seen players have more power to move around than we've ever seen before. So just because he was ready to take the contract now doesn't mean he's ready to be there long term, no matter who the quarterback is. And I'm telling you, this Kirk Cousins thing yeah, yeah, and everybody likes him now. He's kind of non-threatening. He's got the dad wardrobe, and you like that, and people liked him from net. We've talked to enough people, and I don't want to betray any off-the-record confidences, but there's something there between Cousins and the receivers. There's something. Am I wrong to say that? There's something off there, and I feel like it's just a matter of time before Jefferson comes to that same conclusion. And I think it's one of the reasons why Cousins isn't going to be there next year. Well, I think I, the Vikings have realized that, too. There's just something There's weird no there. Relationship. Goes back to Diggs. There's no relationship. Right. I think that's what it is. He's not one of the guys to the receivers. You know, one that you can glean that from just the Netflix. I mean, it's just like, hey, you should run the hot route. Hey, uh, that's all they talk about. There, there's no banter. On the sideline, I don't – yes, the sense I got is, yeah, there's not hanging out outside of the football building, any of that. And receivers like that. I mean, they do, you know. I mean, usually a lot of the the receivers and the tight end, they hang out with the quarterback. I mean, we've seen that. We know that. They hang out with Mahomes, drink beers after the game. Let's watch the game today and whatever, blah, 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 right? Brady hung out with Edelman and Gronkowski. Hey, Friday night, let's do dinner, blah, blah, blah. Hey, one of the guys, yeah. That's part of the damn deal when you're the quarterback. 
is being like, hey, I'm, I'm, we're, we're buddies. We're in this together. You know me as a person. You know what makes me. And that's what gives us the confidence to go together and win in a big moment. And, yeah, I don't know if there's that. that's one of the things that I, I think does miss from, from Kirk Cousins. Yes. For me, when we were sitting at the table with Justin Jefferson at the Super Bowl week before the game, and I was doing the whole thing about fourth and eight, season on the line, you're double covered. Why didn't he throw it to Jefferson? Jefferson? He 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 just laughed in that kind of knowing way, like you just said what I can't say, <laughs> right? And it's just like, and I know what happened with Stephon Diggs. We saw it all play out in real time. Cousins gets a contract extension, and Diggs that same day tweets his way out of Minnesota. So I'm just, I think they're they're committed to turning the page at quarterback. The question is, will they have to turn the page at receiver as well to get the quarterback that they want to turn the page to? And I hope that's not true. I hope they keep Justin Jefferson. Stir in the pot up in Minnesota. The fan Florio. He loves him. He loves him not. I don't know. (laughs) Take advantage of this month and sign him to a long-term contract and end this conversation. Just end it, Ziggy and Mark Wilf. Write the check. Break your precedent that you apply to everyone but the quarterback and keep this guy around because he should be a cornerstone member of the team. He should be. We'll see if he is. Let's take a break. When we return, is a cornerstone coach the guy to turn the Patriots around? He thinks so, and he may be the only person on the planet who does. More PFT Live right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Set your mind free with a free plan from Fidelity. Start by organizing your plan around what matters most to you. As you go, you'll be able to see your full financial picture, which covers spending, saving, debt, and goals in one simple view. Get started by visiting fidelity.com slash free plan. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Also, Greg asked you at the start, uh, restarting, that's what you said yesterday. Why are you the right person to restart this organization with right now? Yeah, well, I'm going to do the best I can to help our football team. That's my job. Do you find that your message is landing or there's things that you need to change? Because the 38-3 to loss was your worst that you'd ever had in 500 starts. And this week it appears that there wasn't that urgency to, to reclaim what the team's identity was. Yeah, well, I'm going to do the best I can to help the team. 
Bill Belichick from yesterday on Chris's favorite Boston area radio station, WEEI. With a new catchphrase, he went from starting over to, I'm going to do the best I can to help our football team. Look, this is a tough spot for him. He's never had to deal with this. 72-3 to combined score the last two games. And the Boston sports fans, you can find the clips on social media, calling into these shows. They want him out now, not after the season. They want him out now. And we kind of saw this coming. There's going to be a point where a generation of fans who have been spoiled by excellence no longer have excellence, and they're going to turn on the guy that brought them the excellence. There's a shelf life for how long that last Super Bowl celebration lasts. And five years is it. That's it. That's the statute of limitations on your most recent Super Bowl. Five years later, if you're not winning playoff games and they haven't won a playoff game since beating the Rams in Super Bowl 53, that's it. You're done. It's over. So I feel like that's where this is heading. I mean, it, it, it seems that way. I mean, I, I think the, the thing that, I, you know, I, I think people around football, myself, feel like we're at the last two years of Bill Belichick either way. Right, I think it's shocking that the way this is unfolding right here, right now, and and I think it's also shocking that you know we we've seen great coaches of his caliber, right? And I think he's the greatest head coach in the history of the NFL. But coaches of his caliber, you know, usually get a little bit more leeway after oh, it's only been five years since we won the last Super Bowl, and oh, we won six of them, and yeah. We did go to the playoffs one year with a rookie quarterback, and we missed the playoffs on the last game of the year last year. And there was the COVID year where things were looking good, and then Cam Newton got COVID and kind of messed things up. So there is some context to play to that, play to that you know. And I think that's where it's a little shocking to me too, the football historian, where I want to go. Well, wait. I mean, Chuck Noll with the Steelers hung around for longer than five years after winning a Super Bowl. Don Shula, damn, he almost went two decades between and still hung around and didn't win a Super Bowl, right? Tom Landry, he went a, a decade without winning a Super Bowl and still hung around. So I think that's where I'm a little bit like, wow, did they turn on him quick up there in New England? That that's where I am. But, but didn't you know that you you lived up there? You worked up there. I know. You knew what was coming? I know. You're exactly right. I did. And I, I, you know, grew up in the Northeast and we know Boston fans and that, yeah, they're, they're like that. They're, they're extremely intelligent sports fans in a lot of ways. And that's what makes them a pain in the butt too. At times they think they know everything. Uh, and then I think, you know, you couple on, like we talk about Belichick, the way he talks, the way he talks to the media, none of those guys going to do him any favors, writing anything in the Boston globe or anything. Right. They're not. So I think, yeah, it's all like a bunch of stuff that's added to this, like, damn, get them out of here now. And, and of course, the team looks like crap. So that, of course, is not helping. That's, that's the number one factor in this right now. And I think you've touched on something, too. Now, the game is different than it was when Don Shula and Chuck Noll were coaching. There's much more intense focus, yeah. immediate reaction. Definitely. Fans have voices. Fans can gather their voices, and the voices can become magnified. No talk radio, no internet, no social media. That's right. When the Dolphins weren't what the Dolphins were in the early 70s, or when the Steelers weren't what the Steelers were throughout the mid to late 70s. So you could never coalesce a strength that there now can quickly emerge. Yeah, right. When you have 
your knives out for Bill Belichick. Here's the other side of it, too, though. You've made this point a few times, and it's absolutely right. This is basic human nature. Don Shula was beloved. Chuck Knoll was beloved. Bill Belichick is not beloved. Bill Belichick is not warm and fuzzy. Bill Belichick is kind of an ass. Not just kind of an ass. He is an ass. That's the way he coaches. He's gruff. He's a curmudgeon. And it works until it doesn't. And when you're not winning, no one wants to deal with you. And all those people that you have disrespected at some point in a press conference, wherever, however, with that, you know, all that stuff that now it's all all those bills are coming due now. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, no, and you're right. And because he wasn't, you know, grandfatherly, fatherly, just, you know, helpful to the media we're just trying to do a job here why are you treating us like crap we're just trying to do a job we're just trying to ask the questions that need to be asked why are you acting like we're stupid why are you acting like you're better than us that attitude has been there for 20 years and now the like i said the bills come and do because he's not winning it works as long as you're winning hell bill parcells was charming definitely in his own a hundred percent way right you got to know how to work those That's people right. sometimes it can't just be it can't just be once every three months, a 10-minute monologue on, on the, the value of the long snapper. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> right. not going right. to get you endeared to the people who cover your team. Nah, you're right. And, and Bill Barcells was, to me, one of the masters. And, of course, I grew up watching it. You know, Even when he was a jerk, he was a nice jerk. He said it in a witty way, and he made eye contact with the guy and had a cool saying where – like, he shot back at the reporter, but the reporter knew. It's like, hey, it's Bill, and he's talking crap, and we're in the locker room here, and that's how Bill works. He had, a, he had the Midas touch. The, nobody was better than Bill Parcells. And then, like you said, he, uh, you know, he also had moments of endearing himself to the media, and he would go into talking about, you know, uh, oh, they want you to make the meal. You got to let you cook, cook the groceries. I mean, he's got one million sound bites after another about great things he said to the media that – you know, got them to like him, let alone he would, oh, hey, you want to talk later one-on-one and I'll give you a little clue on what's going on or behind the curtain. He was great that way too. Yeah, Belichick's got none of that. And then when you couple that with the team's failure to evolve, a little bit back to what we were talking about last segment to the modern-day NFL, and, and what is the league right now? The league is about receivers. The league is about Fast front seven, pass rushers, linebackers, all of that. They got none of that. None of that. So that's the other thing, too. Uh, And and that's where they've dropped the ball. That's where we see their struggles. And and then on top of that, okay, if you're not going to do that, then you got to be innovative. And the Patriots system was way ahead of its curve at one time on the offensive side of the ball, right? They had the DBs, and he'd do crazy defensive game plans. Ooh, the two tight end sets with Hernandez and Gronk invented the slot receiver to a degree and expanded that role and what we thought of it. But none of that's coming out now either. So it's like, well, damn, wait, we're not going to get the players on the field and we're not doing anything really cool outside the box, Bill Belichickian, you know, thinking game plan schematics. And I think all of that is just coming to a head here to where it's disasterville. And what are, what are the positives to look at in New England right now? Nothing's working. As I no. said yesterday, Bill Belichick used to be able to overcome his failures as the personnel guru. Now the players just aren't good enough 
for him to overcome it. And look, I mean, we see Pete Carroll thriving at 72. This is not an age thing. It's not an age thing. It's like, oh, the game's passed him by. I don't know. Maybe he's got some outdated thinking that he hasn't been sufficiently flexible in adapting to today's game. But it's been five years. The locals are getting very restless. And Bob Kraft's already put him on notice. This isn't something that the fans need to try to make happen. If this continues, it's already over. Kraft has already made it clear in his own unique way that this is it. He hasn't said it. He could back off if he wants to, but that's the other thing, too. If this continues, and there's no guarantee it will, they may go to Las Vegas this weekend and win. But even if it, 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 it was so bad the last two weeks, I feel like there's no coming back from that unless you do make it to the playoffs. There's no coming back from what happened the last two weeks unless you somehow thread the needle and get to the postseason. And, and that's, I, I, do, I, don't want to, I don't want this played back in January when they make it to the playoffs, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that what we've seen out of the Patriots this year is not going to be a playoff team in the current AFC. Oh, don't worry. I'll say it for you. There's no freaking way the Patriots are going to the playoffs this year. There you go, okay? If freezing cold takes comes back to get me on that or whatever else, okay, I'll live, all right? But yeah, and, and through five weeks, there is nothing right now. It's actually gotten, you know, worse the last three weeks, right? The first two weeks, oh, hey, it was positive. The Eagles, the Dolphins, all that. But I think what's happened a little to them, too, is people have realized, hey, this is how they play. This is what they got to do. There's the injuries. And then, of course, you know, lack of offense, lack of playmakers on the field, and then the sloppy play on top of that. And, and, you know, situational, questionable things. It's a bunch of stuff that we've never seen from a Belichick coach football team. And then I think what doubles down on everything we're saying, too, and what expedi- what's expediting this whole process, I do think goes back to last year. The absolute worst decision Bill Belichick made in his whole career and appointing two people that have never coached offense as offensive coordinators. And then you got a young quarterback where you're hoping he goes this way, and right now he's going down, and that doesn't look good. So the fan base has no future to look at there. And like I said, Mac Jones, hey, he's got to, you know, I told you that yesterday. He's got to reevaluate how he throws the football. He's got to improve his game too. He does. But, yeah, there's nothing positive to look at right up in New England right now, let alone you kind of know this is coming to the end. So you're like, wait, can he really – what, what, like, what are we doing? Are we going to rebuild this for what? Is he going to be here in two years after this? You know, and I, so there's a lot of that, I think, that's all playing into this, this whole thing. And that, that debacle from last year, that's something that ownership has not forgotten about. That's I think that Bill. started this avalanche. He made a risk. Yeah. It blew up in his face. Right. And, yeah. you know, and he's got the autonomy to make these decisions. They let him make the decisions. As long as it works, it's fine. If it doesn't work, it's not fine, and that's where we are. So um, I, I've kind of felt this coming. You have. And 72 you were saying over the, the last season. two weeks. I'll give you credit. It, it, the moment Bob Kraft said what he said in late March in Arizona, it's like, folks, that's a pretty strong statement, even though it was not uttered in an angry defiant, demanding way. What he said when asked the very simple question, does Bill stay until he passes Don Shula? Does he stay until then? 
and the answer isn't hell yes he's earned the right to stay as long as he wants or he's earned the right to stay until he passes Don Shula or anything like that that wasn't the answer it was we want to win we want to win and we want to get to the playoffs and they're not going to do it this year and I agree with you after this year after last year it's time to just rip the band-aid off and move forward with whatever is next for the New England Patriots it feels inevitable at this point let's take a break when we return Some surprising news from yesterday about one of the best young players in the NFL becomes bad news today. We'll tell you what that is and who it is when PFT Live continues right after this. News emerged on Monday that Devon Achan of the Miami Dolphins, who is averaging, I think, 27 yards per carry. Not quite that high, but it feels like it. He's got a knee thing that popped up out of nowhere on Monday, and now reportedly he's expected to miss multiple weeks. A-Chan is getting a second opinion today that will determine whether or not he goes on injured reserve. And here's what's weird about this. I talked to him after the game. They made him available after the game. Nobody had any idea this guy was hurt. They wouldn't have made him available if he was hurt. He sounded fine. He was upbeat. I don't know if this was rolled out of bed the next day. Uh Uh-oh, something doesn't feel right. But there's something strange about this because we had no indication. My folks who work at PFT watched the game. They didn't see anything to suggest that he was injured. He was playing in the fourth quarter. So I don't know what this is. But the bottom line is he's going to miss multiple weeks now. Possibly will go on injured reserve. And this is just one of those things. As great teams keep rolling, there's that attrition that takes this guy, takes that guy, takes this guy. And how do you overcome it? Where do you go from here as the Miami Dolphins? Fortunately, I have other options at running back. But Devon Achan has been beyond phenomenal through the first five weeks of his career. Yeah, phenomenal. And, and they're, you know, they got other guys at running back, right? But it's, it's a little dicey. That's why they were in the, we heard the Dalvin Cook conversation, the Jonathan Taylor conversation. One, he's a special player. But, hey, you got Raheem Mostert, who's getting up there in age for a running back and has has got an injury history on top of that. And then after you get done with those two guys right there, it's like, wait, there's not a lot of proven commodities there as far as uh, on the the roster at the running back position. It is crazy, Mike. Now, now I'll say, like, you know, two things play into this and the fact that, yeah, he looked awesome still in the fourth quarter and you certainly didn't see anything to think there was a knee issue. You know, one, hey, I always go to Toradol. Did he take Toradol before the game? Because that would, hey, the Toradol makes oh, you make makes you feel good. good. Yeah, you know, right? Toradol it makes you feel good. good. But it's one of those things that you can get hurt during the game and you don't wake up till Monday morning and you realize, oh, crap. Like, my knee hurts. What the hell is this? That, I mean, that story is very common in the NFL, let alone you're a young guy with adrenaline flowing through your body and you're just amped up on life and, and everything like that, too. You add that on top of it. Sometimes you don't feel you know stuff like that late in the game or you're walking out of the locker room. It's not till you sit on the couch for a little bit later that evening and things calm down and your body starts to relax and you start to get up and go, damn, my knee is really tight. What the hell is going on here? So I don't know, but it is shocking and uh, yeah, a little concerning because we know they're, they're not only an awesome passing team, they're the best running team in football right now, which is insane. They've got the Panthers coming up next. They're at the Eagles. Is that a Sunday night football game? It I is. Yeah, it is. Dolphins and Eagles. Yeah. Week seven. Then they have the Patriots, and then 
They go to Germany for that showdown with the Chiefs. Unfortunately for the Dolphins, they may not have Devon Achan for that. They'll still be fine, but they're better than fine with Achan on the field. So that's alarming, and now they're going to have to decide do they free up a roster spot for at least four weeks by putting him on injured reserve. We'll see how that plays out. But this all kind of happened out of the blue yesterday, and now it's Injury Tuesday. It's IR Tuesday for Justin Jefferson and maybe for Devon Achan. Yeah, Not stinks. good when great players in the NFL aren't available, but we see that every year. We know it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm, My son and I were talking about how great the 49ers are, and it's like the only thing that's going to hold them back is injuries. Yeah. And you kind of feel wrong saying, well, this guy could get injured, that guy could get injured. But look at you. We know the guys that are on the list of most likely to get injured with the 49ers. And you get the wrong guy hurt for the rest of the season, it changes everything. And we know that can happen. That bolt of lightning can happen at any point once we start playing Definitely. the games. Definitely. And it does change things. You're and we right. think it's all moving in one direction. And then there comes that lightning bolt, and it all changes. So for the Dolphins, Things may change in the short term. They're going to need an answer and a replacement for Devon A. Chan. Let's take a break. When we return, the Lions winning with style points in week five. A closer look at the creativity that they are using on offenses as their offensive coordinator tries to tries to position himself for a head coaching job, which he probably is doing. More PFT Live right after this. We'll always be known, in my opinion, as a tough team. We should be a tough physical team, offense, defense, special teams. But uh, if you're just tough and you're just physical and you have no creativity, you'll you're not going to do anything with it. You know, um, you know, you'll bang away. And and but I think that that gives you just a little bit of an edge. Dan Campbell, head coach of the Lions, combining that creativity with the kneecap biting. And it it really is intriguing to see after all these years of football. It's like there's only so many places in pizza they can put cheese, right? It's all over the top. It's in the crust. Like, where the hell else can you put cheese? And for NFL offense, how much more can you do that hasn't already been done? But the Lions, Chris, are finding ways to do some things that are outside the box and beyond the boundaries of what we're used to seeing. Yeah, they got a great blend of outside-the-box creativity, new-age stuff rooted in, hey, we're old-school, smash-mouth, going to hit you in the mouth, we're going to come downhill and run the football, and we're going to be great with play-action pass off of it, but we're going to have some splash and some game plan plays that you didn't prepare for. There's no way you could have. And we're going to break them out in the football game and make your head spin for a little bit. And that's where they have found just the right touch there between Dan Campbell and, of course, the, the offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, who's you know up there with the top candidates in the sport to be a head coach next year with the way things are going and the way he's calling plays on that side of the ball. And we've seen offensive coordinators in the past who were trying to get themselves noticed for head coaching jobs. And I think of some of the kooky stuff Hugh Jackson did when he was with the Bengals as offensive coordinator, trying to get back as a head coach, like lining offensive linemen out yeah, wide right, and just right, like, Oh, right. That's a guy. That's a guy who's trying to design a really creative play to become a head coach. But Ben Johnson, this one, this one to me, this is the direct snap to David Montgomery, the running back through the legs of Jared Goff. Never seen it before. 
quarterback needs to be just tall enough for it to work, but he's under center, Goff is. Yeah. And the ball comes through his legs to Montgomery. Goff acts like the ball got snapped past him and he's back trying to pick it up. That's that's just like it's hiding in plain sight and nobody bothered to ever do it. And Ben Johnson realized it. They drew it up. They executed it. And there it is. No, you know, I think we're seeing you know, Ben Johnson and the Lions do that. We, of course, have seen Andy Reid do some of this crazy stuff, right? Where it's like nobody's ever done that before. We're seeing Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins do stuff where we go, wait, we never saw people do this on the offensive side of the ball. Right. And, and it is amazing. The creativity there. I mean, this is third and six and the right time to do it. It's not only third and six. And, you know, if it isn't for Derek Brown, he's going to get it on the right side there, but he has to cut back to the left. But, you know, at a point in the game, too, where, hey, we're up by 18. We can risk this a little bit. Let's put it on film. Let's mess with the next team that's got to prepare for us. Now they got to worry about some of this. And then you don't know what they build off of it, too. That's where they're great. But, you know, like we talk about with a lot of great offensive coordinators and what they do, right, Mike? I mean, we kind of make – we know the good ones. And then – there's some out there that, you know, hey, it's it's basic, it's boring, or they try to emulate the good ones, but they don't have a rhyme or reason. They don't know why they're doing it. They're like, wait, we sent this guy in motion and this guy here, that guy, it looked cool on film, so we put it in, and we like it. But but what they don't realize is guys like Ben Johnson and McDaniel and Shanahan, they have real, true, tried and proven, and we know what the defense is going to do, and we're going to screw it over right now because I know their rules and that's where they separate themselves, and that's where this, this Lions offense almost feels unstoppable that way. Let's hear from quarterback Jared Goff on the unique challenges of being under center while the ball goes through your legs to the running back. Never hit my leg. Uh, just the timing on what I was saying. Um, it was it, we, we were snapping it on J-Mo, come on. Like bringing, bringing, snap, motioning him in. So when I said JMO, come on, ball got snapped. Um, so yeah, there was a little bit of uh, play around with when we wanted to snap it and uh, doing that. But no, we never hit it off my leg. It was good. Yeah, you got to be careful. You got to be careful where yeah. that direct snap goes yeah. when the quarterback is standing there. You don't want to. You know what? I end up talking like this, <laughs> which is a possibility. <laughs> Definitely a possibility. Right, but cool with the little nuance there in the snap count. Right, he can't get underneath and act like, "Hey, blue forty-five, blue forty-five, or he might be talking like you're talking about after that. So, yeah, stand there, act like you're bringing in motion. They got, uh, they worked on that all week. Uh, they're fun to watch. They are. I mean, they're aggressive as hell. That's the thing I think we like. At times, I go, man, it's too aggressive. Do we have to go for it on fourth down all the time? All of that. But I think they've found the right blend in that department too. And then you couple that play with what their real offense is. And then we saw another trick play earlier in the football game, right? That we saw again on Sunday night. Just the timing and when to, when to know to call things. And I believe if memory serves me correct here, it's 21-7. to 7, And this might have been the first play after the Bryce Young interception. Uh, I feel like it was after a turnover either way. But again, just the... Knowing of what you're going to get in this personnel set, let's run this play. We saw it on film all week. And if the guy who's guarding Laporta sees the run, he seems to over-aggressively play the run, and we might need to be able to sneak behind him. It's, it's really brilliant game planning by the Lions staff.
Sam Laporta had two touchdowns on the day. He's been one of the best tight ends so far in this rookie class, if not the best. And behind the defense, it worked like a charm. That's always a great spot. If it was right after a turnover, that's a great spot to do something like that because the defense is kind of on their heels and down in the mouth. And It was. Just, it was right after. Yeah, you're right. They just ran on the field, right? They're just like, wait, oh, wait, wait, we got to go. We're running out there. And it was right after the Bryce Young interception. I just double-checked that, yes. And later that same day, on Sunday Night Football, 49ers Cowboys with 26.1 million watching. The 49ers did the same damn thing. Same damn play. Brock Purdy. That's right. To George Kittle. Touchdown. And Kyle Shanahan acknowledged after the game he saw that it worked for the Lions. So he decided we're going to go ahead and use it tonight. Yeah. And and again, it's, it's, it's checks and balances, like I like to say a lot, right? Keeping people off your bread and butter, meat and potatoes, offensive football plays. And that's where those are two guys and Ben Johnson and Shanahan. They have a great feel for that. Oh, wait, they over. Hey, when we played the Cowboys in the divisional game last year, all they did was crowd the line of scrimmage and have people attack the run, attack the run. And it's like we talked about yesterday. Great offenses make you stop something elite about them first. Well, the 49ers run the ball. Oh, you want to overcommit to do that? Hey, come on, get up here closer. Get a little more aggressive, guys. Boom, and they hit you with that. You know, it's it's the right touch and knowing how you're going to be played, game planning, and feel for the moment that – you know, Shanahan and Ben Johnson are as good as it gets in that department right now. And that's what makes them dangerous. And it's like we said with the Lions, you know, the Lions are scary. And and they, there might not be the Eagles and the Niners, but we're sitting there right now going, eh, the Lions might be next. You know, they'd be a handful for the Dallas Cowboys. There's no doubt because they'd be able to do some of the things we've seen the 49ers do. They can run and they're big up front and they'd make the Cowboys commit to stopping that. Uh, and that's where they're they're dangerous. They really are. I'm liking watching this Lions team. And with that schedule, with that division, yeah. they could be in the mix to be the number one seed in the NFC because they're probably going to go 6-0 and against the NFC North. I'm not going way out on a limb to suggest that. So Let's you're just saying they're the going to beat the Vikings twice, huh? That's just, it's just bam, yes. just like that. Damn. Yeah. What the kind Vikings of fan are, are you? Four. They're going to be they're <laughs> going to be either 2-5 and five or 1-6 and six after that Monday night game. I mean, I used to look forward to watching the Vikings on Monday Night Football. I dread what's coming in 13 days when the 49ers go to Minnesota. Uh, I so don't. I don't. That, that damn horn's going to get smashed to obliteration that day. I'm going to enjoy that. <laughs> and then let's take a break. You'll only make 20 go references ahead. to Kirk Cousins not working Tuesday that week. So that'll, that'll be good. I'll look forward to that. <laughs> well, wait. He will. No. I don't know what it works Sunday to Monday. He probably takes two days off when they don't play until Monday night if they play on <laughs> you're, you're Sunday. Funny. All right, when we return, more injuries that could affect the balance of power in the AFC East. PFT Live back right after this. Well, a couple more injuries from the AFC East that could change things. Mike Milano. Matt Milano. Mike yeah. Milano. Who the hell is Mike Milano? I don't I'm know. thinking of who was the guy. Who was the guy? Mike Mamula. Remember the workout warrior that sure. played for the Bills? Yeah. Mike Mamula and the Eagles. I think he started with the Eagles and ended up with the yep. Bills. Matt Milano. Matt Milano injured on Sunday on the turf at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in that loss to the Jaguars. He's out indefinitely with the leg injury. Daquan Jones, defensive tackle, pectoral injury, sidelined indefinitely. 
Not good for the Bills' defense. Not good, especially you were talking yesterday about Milano, how critical he is and just how the air came out of the balloon once he got hurt and they knew it wasn't good. And this is the attrition that we were talking about. Teams are going to have injuries. Some are going to be to key players. What do you do moving forward? How do you hold it together? I know next man up is what they say, but sometimes the guy that left is so much better than the next man up, it really does hurt the team. Yeah, no, no, this is one of those cases. It is. It's, you know, we, we heard Chris Collinsworth, right? We talked about it Monday, how awesome Fred Warner is, right? This is the Bills' Fred Warner. I mean, he's that special of a football player. And we've had a few times today, right? We've talked about front seven speed. All, all the good defenses, for the most part, have two linebackers in the middle that can fly around. How do you think you stop, you know, Tyree Kill over the middle, Jalen Waddle over all this stuff that's going on, Travis Kelsey, everything there? It, it's it's great linebackers who are athletic as hell. Let alone he's the quarterback and the leader of their defense. It's a big blow to the Buffalo Bills. And Daquan Jones had been playing phenomenal. I mean off of one of the better games I've ever seen him play the week before against the Miami Dolphins. So you, you couple that with Rousseau was hurt on, on Sunday. Uh, Tredavious White out for the year. You know, the Benford, the other starting corner, he was hurt. Uh, the Bills have reached that territory like you brought up a little earlier in the show of like, hey, really good football team, but the injury bug is hit. And it's, it is a different football team now, and it's going to change them to a degree here. And uh, how could you not be a little concerned with some of the names and people they lost on the defensive side of the ball? By the way, Josh Norman reportedly expected to sign with the Bills practice squad. That's a name from the past who was great in Carolina. He's been kind of hanging around a little bit and uh, a need filled by the Buffalo Bills as they try to get through the season and hold their defense together. The Jets also lose right tackle Elijah Vera Tucker for the season with a torn Achilles tendon. There Man. was some discrepancy earlier in the week on whether it was calf, whether it's Achilles. The announcement came yesterday, Achilles torn, and he is done. Max Mitchell is the player who replaced Elijah Vera Tucker on Sunday. But this is just, uh, again, you got to find a way. You got to find a way. And just as the Jets are starting to piece things together, they lose a key piece of their offensive line. Yeah, that that's the big thing, right? They're just finally figuring. It seemed like they're finally on the right track on the offensive line. The Chiefs game... Last, you know, Sunday against the Broncos, we, we saw, you know, positive things and pass protection and the run game to think, hey, they're on the right track here. And I, I feel bad, of course, for Elijah Vera Tucker. He is a, a hell of a football player. And, you know, again, missed all last year because of injury. So he's just getting back going here and starting to play and look like himself and really, you know, get after it. Let alone he was a guy for them, Mike, that was a swing position guy. Yeah, probably best at guard, but he was playing right tackle for them and, and, and capable of doing that at a high level. And so, yeah, that's unfortunate. Now, they got Max Mitchell, who will replace him, and, and, and he did a good job for them last year, but he's not Elijah Vera Tucker. And, and you know now they just got to figure out the, the new harmony between these five guys, and that'll be tough. It will, but uh, hopefully Max Mitchell can hold it down for the Jets and Zach Wilson and, and Brees Hall. It's one of the things for great teams. They have five offensive linemen who are predominantly the guys all year long, working together, getting better as the year goes on. Once those injuries happen, it throws everything out of balance, and we'll see if the Jets can get it balanced out. Again, we'll take a break and wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this.
Enough, yes. Yeah, more than I would like, but, I mean, that's, that's what every team does, so it doesn't make an excuse. We still got to find a way to give me the ball. I mean, like I said many times, if, if we're going off of just getting the ball in single coverage, I'll have 22 catches on the year, so we got to find a way either way. Devontae Adams got doubled last night by his former team, targeted four times, four catches, 45 yards in his return game against the Packers, although we talked earlier about the one time he was wide open and Jimmy Garoppolo didn't throw it to him. Yeah, that's right. Well, that, that, and those are the, that's where he gets frustrated. And, you know, and when we showed that play earlier, when he throws the pick, you can kind of see him like running like, damn, I mean, there's only so many times I get a chance to have that right there. That was a 40 to 50-yard gain, if not more, to be had there. And, yeah, that hurts the output of the night. Here's two things that jump out to me and why it, it could be hard here for Devontae Adams. First off, yeah, he's candidate number one for every team to stop. Number two, you've heard me for years say, Jimmy Garoppolo can't throw the ball down the field or outside the numbers. He's not very good at that, right? So, therefore, they got to try to throw the ball over the middle. It's going to be hard to throw the ball over the middle when they can't run worth a damn right now. They can't run. They can't get play action pass to have any real effect on a team right now. Josh Jacobs ain't the same, and that's where it's going to be tough, I think, for Devontae Adams to get the kind of stats we've seen so much. He was a guy I was kind of watching as maybe a trade deadline deal for someone. They won last night, though, to go to 2-3. and three. The problem is the trade deadline is so early relative to a 17-game season, it's hard to fold the tents. The Raiders may not be ready to fold the tents, but he may be ready for a different horizon if he's not going to get targeted as much as he would like to be. That is it for today. Thanks, as always, for some of your time. We'll see you back here on Wednesday. See ya. This is BVK for Ocean City Tourism, OCMD Streaming Audio. On March 11th, 2024, the title of the spot is STSA Leisure Summer. This is a 30-second composite stereo streaming audio mix. Get away with friends to the laid-back Maryland coast, where you can catch up while casting off and hang 10 while hanging out, where a day on board is never boring and full throttle is half the fun, where you can sink a putt, raise a glass, and there's always room for one more round. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.